Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Adam Pascal, and you're listening to Eleven, the official theater podcast. Hello and welcome to Eleven, the official theatre podcast that brings the biggest stars and creatives together in one place to discuss life in the arts. Now he's a Tony nominee and a Broadway legend that's about to take audiences through his incredible 25-year career on the stage as part of a series of new streamed concerts that celebrate his work. From starring in the original cast of Jonathan Larson's musical Rent, to working with Sir Elton John and Disney on Aida, alongside the incredible, incredible Heather Headley, he's no stranger to originating in incredible pieces of theatre. He's also starred in Chess, Cabaret, Memphis, Pretty Woman, Chicago, Something Rotten, in School of Rock, recording albums, performed with Queen's Brian May, and he is a lifelong bestie to Broadway belter Adina Menzel so it's safe to say that he knows pretty much a thing or two about rocking out. Here, direct from his home stateside, it's time for he and I to discuss pretty much all of it, including highlights of his 25-year career on the stage, including his incredible friendship with Miss Menzel that helped launch his career into the world of theatre, the impact of shows like Rent and how he thinks it helped shape the landscape of modern musical theatre, working with Sir Elton John on Aida, and why he's demanding an apology from the Tony voters for their admission on the show, getting to experience a masterclass in quite a few of his productions from his co-stars, including from the previously mentioned incredible Heather Headley. Those personal stage door messages and experiences that, as you'll witness here in a rather touching and emotional pause, mean more than words can really ever reach the one show and role that he would actually love to return to, how his British accent is actually rather darn good, thanks to him playing William Shakespeare in Something Rotten, and why this special series of stream concerts that I mentioned is the perfect way for him to take a trip back down memory lane. So let's get ready to rock as it's Broadway legend Adam Pascal here now on this, the next episode of Eleven, the official theatre podcast. to meet with current restrictions and to stop the possible spread of COVID-19, Adam and I connected for this conversation digitally, so please forgive any brief moments while we wait for the internet to catch up. Enjoy. (laughs) 
Now, here's the voice that made me fall in love with theatre. So this is actually going to be quite an honour for me. So please help me welcome to this the next episode of Eleven. It's Tony nominees, Adam Pascal. Hi, Adam. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honour. Thank you very much for being here. And as I sort of joke at the start, you really are the voice that I grew up and absolutely got me obsessed with theatre. So I've got lots of very geeky questions to talk to you about, which actually feels very apt because you're about to go through, I believe it's a 25 year career. Some people like hate talking about timelines, but that's so impressive. 25 years yeah. on the stage in so many different shows, varieties, et cetera, which we'll touch on just, yeah. just a few, or we'll be here for literally hours with this new live stream, which people are going to get to see, listen to, enjoy, and just submerge themselves in your world. And I do believe it's called Adam Pascal So Far, which I think Correct. is a very, very interesting name. So before I start asking you about specifics, I guess, why that title and why this show now? It's taken 25 years for me to accumulate enough work on Broadway to be able to put a show like this together. Um, and so I'm somebody who, uh, in addition to doing musical theater, has always gone out and done my own music and played my own music. And that's how I, you know, I grew up playing in rock bands. And so um, this was a, an opportunity for me to put together for the first time, a solo acoustic show, which I've done in the past in various different forms, but never like a cohesive show like this that had like a beginning and an end and like a through line, you know? Um, but again, it was only, it was, it's just like the timing was right because I've, finally have this body of work and this 25 years of experiences uh a lot of which are kind of crazy and funny and i like to talk about them to the audience and you know and and, and so um so that's where the show came from and that's what the show is uh and so i was doing that live and i had done various different projects um but this this particular thing seemed very appropriate for this new medium of like streaming and and zooming and all this stuff um because it was just me it, it is just me and my guitar uh and so uh so we decided or i me and this you know production team art uh, art lab uh and and we put it together and it, it literally it's just in my it, i'm not there now i don't live there anymore but i was in my apartment in las vegas uh and we set up cameras and uh and by cameras i mean iphones and so i had three three of them um uh and uh and we shot me playing live you know in and it looks great such a big part of the show is talking to the audience and, and telling these stories and whatever so i um and and there's an energy to that there's a give, a give and take there you know um but I, I didn't think it was going to come across if i just spoke to the camera a buddy of mine tony uh winner jared Amick lives in Las Vegas. And, uh, and so I said, will you come over and just interview me? And I'll, I'll intercut that into this, you know? And so that's what we ended up doing and it worked out great. And so he and I just sat there, I set up the cameras and we just talked for a while. And, um, and then that, that's how I was able to tell these stories in a similar way that I tell them on stage because I had another person to actually interact with and talk to. Are you the sort of person that likes to look backwards on your career and your life and find those sort of those moments that perhaps I can imagine when you're in them don't feel like milestones? but actually when you look back you think oh gosh that was a big moment for me do you like doing that because a lot of people do go la 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 I don't want to talk about it like don't don't make me look yeah. back make me look forward I guess how do you approach it no I definitely like to look back at those things because you're right when you're in them you don't absorb them a lot of times you know um and so especially with these big things like rent or any of these big experiences you know they they are they're hard to absorb because so much happens in such a short amount of time. So I, I do like to, and especially now I've been doing it a lot because it's 25, you know, the, the show is 25 years ago. I have this show. I've been talking about this stuff a lot. So I actually, uh, I, 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 I have been looking back a lot and I'm, um, 
I'm amazed that I have had the career that I've had, that I've had, you know, because it's, because it's been difficult. You know what I mean? So, so I've lived through all of this difficulty, but then when I look back on it, I go, oh yeah, there's some pretty fabulous things happened also, but it's hard to remember the fabulous things when there was so much difficulty because show business sucks and there's difficulty. That's just the nature of the business. So for me, it's hard to, it's hard to remember all the good things because there's just so much icky things, you know. When it came to your time on the stage, when it came to the way in which you first sort of walked into theatre and realised, you know what, this is something I think I like and I want to do. Was that before you found your love of music or did music bring you to theatre? I guess, how did those two relationships come side by side? My story is pretty uh, unique in that I grew up playing in rock bands and I never... I never thought about doing musical theater. Uh, I never thought about being an actor. It's not something that ever occurred to me. I discovered playing, you know, I discovered rock music at a really young age and I wanted to be Bono, you know, like, and so like, it was, you know, that was, that's where my head was my whole life up until my mid twenties. And in my mid twenties, I was living in New York city where I grew up and here on Long Island, I grew up too. Um, but, um, I got a call from Idina Menzel, who is a lifelong friend of mine who grew up down the street from me. And so she said, hey, I'm doing this off-Broadway musical. There's a role in it that the character sounds like you. Um, and I, and they're, they're auditioning people who don't have any prior experience um, you know, in theater necessarily. And, and we thought of you, do you wanna go and do, would you like to audition for that? Cause I, they, they, they would see you. And it was just like, she, she said, just go in with the guitar and sing a song. It was really just like about like, oh, you mean somebody will sit in front of me and listen to me sing a song? Because, you know, like, as opposed to me sitting in my bathroom in my apartment and singing a song, you know? So like, it was really, it wasn't, I didn't even think of it as an audition necessarily, as much as like, oh, this is just a chance to go sit in a room with somebody and play for a human being, you know? So when you have a success, when they go, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll take you on. Like, we like what you do, but you've never done it before. Is that when you go, oh shit, I've now got to do this thing called Broadway. Well, yes and no. I mean, look, it, it wasn't, it, it didn't go immediately to Broadway. Yeah. You know, we started out off Broadway, so it was an ascension to that, you know, albeit a quick one. But, there, you know, I always felt at home on a, on a stage in a musical. From the first time I, I started rehearsals for Rent, it just, it, it felt very natural to me. Um, so I, I was never concerned that what I was doing wasn't, working or appropriate, or I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I just, I, you know, I, I kind of just, I instinctually felt that like, I, I kind of know how to do this. I, I had a tremendous amount to learn as do we all always, but I started out with this, with a very good instinctual knowledge of how to do that. I didn't know I had it until I did it. You know, like I didn't go out there saying like, oh, I got this. It was just like, I just started to do it and never felt anything but comfortable doing it, you know? Yeah. So it, it was sort of like an, a, 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 that type of an evolution. Do you think that it probably always would have happened though? Or do you think it's quite literally down to this specific chapter in your career and your friendship with Adina that sort of almost forced you into it? Because obviously she was a wedding singer, liked theatre, yeah. but actually, when the opportunity right. came, it, you know, now you think, well, of course, Adina would always do this, but actually it not necessarily was not necessarily, be, not necessarily. Of course not. I mean, this was lightning in a bottle in a lot of ways for all 15 of us who were cast in that show. And, and, and you can certainly, you know, um, you know, do a thought experiment about like where our lives would have turned out without this show. So I don't think I, you know, because it's not just about like, there's two questions here. There's a question of 
what would have happened if rent happened without me? And then what would have happened if rent never happened at all? But the trajectory of my life and all 15 and, and ideas and everybody's is very different when you ask the question in those two specific, specifically different ways. You know, if the show had happened without me and had the same success and wrought all that it wrought, meaning Lynn and Pasek and Paul and, um, uh, you know, um, Tom Kidd and all these composers who are clearly all brilliant, but my, but like also inspired by Jonathan. And like, would those musicals have ever happened? Would the director, would Spring Awakening, would at once, would like, you know, you connect, you can in a way connect it all to a certain extent. And, and I guess my question is, so therefore the Broadway landscape may or may not have looked the same. I know I'm doing, I'm getting really deep here. <laughs> so, so, it, so let's just say that the Broadway landscape looks exactly as it looked. But without me, I it's, a, I it's an interesting question. Like, would I go, hey, I should audition for that show Rent. Maybe I could play that, that role Roger in that hit show Rent. I don't know if I would have done that. I often think like, also like, would I have done like um, American Idol? Would I have tried to do American Idol? Would I have tried to do The Voice? Or America's Got Talent? Like, you know, I, I, I ask those questions about myself, like had my career been different? And then of course, you know, so, so again, so those two things, rent happening with us or rent not happening at all takes us in two different directions. Both of which I'm so glad that you definitely did that show and that Ren definitely Me too. <laughs> Me too. I, literally two or three episodes before this one, I was talking to Renee Elise Goldsbury, of course, the superstar genius of Hamilton. And she said right. that she knows as a fact that Hamilton wouldn't exist without Rent. She says there's just absolutely right. no way it would have happened. And therefore, as a cultural piece, I think you more than anybody will know, it completely shifted everything. There is, you know, there is, it's, it's almost impossible yeah. to have conversations around Wicked, around so many of the other shows, they simply wouldn't have existed right. because of it. Were you, right. and this is the, this is the age old question, of like, did you know at the time, but was there ever right. a moment where you thought maybe this could be something pretty epic? Like, did you have that penny drop moment? Well, yes, in a way. I mean, okay. it was, in a way it was a slow burn, but, but also we, as being inside it, working on it, knew that it was really special. That, but that's not to say that we had any idea it would go beyond the four weeks at the New York Theatre Workshop. Yeah. You know what I mean? We just, but we knew it was special. I always say that, like, had the experience ended after those four weeks, it still would have been a life changing experience. I don't know where my life would have gone after that, but it still would have changed my life just having that experience and meeting those people and doing the show for four weeks, say, you know, so um, it won the Tonys and then it won the Pulitzer. And then, you know, like, so like all of these things were happening. And so we knew that like, this is something huge and special, but you really don't know until you sit here and you and I have a conversation 25 years later and, and, and are able to look back on it and make and see all of the things that came after it and make those connections. And, 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 and now we can say, wow, yeah, it really did have an, an unbelievable effect on the future, uh, you know, a landscape of musical theater, a dramatic effect, absolutely. But that's not something you can know, you know, without hindsight. Do you apply the same model to the social and political impact that the show had around conversations on people living with HIV and AIDS, people that are existing within the world and people that are dying within that world? Do you, were you aware right. of that type of conversation? Well, I, I maybe a little bit of both, but I was definitely aware of it at the time because we were so in it and because yes. people were dying of AIDS at that time, you know, you know, uh, dramatically um, in, in sort of, you know, high numbers, we could tell how it was impacting the, the gay community 
the how how our show is impacting the gay community and 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 not just the gay community um but anyone who's been touched by not just aids like like it really like it's spoke to anyone who was either suffering or or had somebody pass away from a disease you know a, you know like it really affected it branched out and and that's what i always loved about the show was that this the specificity of the characters having hiv all these years later is now incidental you know what i mean it 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 could be anything you know what i mean and now when i sing this song and i'm talking about the just singing one song glory and the virus take hold look look at what the fuck we're living in now like you know like it's it, it there's there's relevance now you know i wish there wasn't but you know but there is you know and so and so you can you can carry that message from the show and, and apply it to the things that are going on now in the world i'm so glad that you have the ability to be able to look back sometimes people do projects in their life and then you know it's a chapter that exists in the past but actually I think very much with that show and some of your cast members that I've had the honor of, of speaking to they all do talk about it of being this ray of light that they that will never leave them for so many different reasons and it's it seems so wonderful yes. to get to see so many different things you know everybody gives me a different answer to the question of like what was sort of the moment that you realized it was going to be a success and a lot of people do just talk about the impact of it so many years later the fact that it's still here still exists and it's right. still got a heartbeat now. Right. I mean, uh, you know, I get choked up uh, thinking about it sometimes, but like every night we would come out the stage door. Well, first we would go into this alley, you know, like that was like, we'd have to go to this outside alley first and everybody would sign the wall and stuff. And like the reaction from people, you know, like the, 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 like the tears of gratitude and thank you um, from people who lost loved ones or lost friends and somehow were comforted by seeing our show that you know that's an experience that i i you know i am i'm articulating it to, to you now but the words don't at all fully encapsulate what that feels like now there is another show and I would be amiss being British if I didn't ask you about, and that was getting to play probably one of the great British people that have ever existed. And he shares part of the same name with me. And that is <laughs> something rotten and William Shakespeare, who there yes, is sir. a show, if there was like a hierarchy of shows that have happened elsewhere, but not quite come here, that's top yeah. three. That's like the West End is next to normal is probably another one. And of course, Moulin right. Rouge is definitely because of the iconicity of the film. And that is coming here. But yes. um, yeah, Something Rotten is the show that never was in London. And I still think, you know, there's rumblings all the time. Maybe it could happen. And I really hope it does. Because Oh, I definitely think it will. You know, it, I mean, the show's not that, that, not that old. You know, like if you think about it, like it closed on Broadway just in 2017. We did the tour 2018. So you know how things go. Like they may want to do it in the there's just not an available theater. Like it'll happen, definitely. I mean, I think everyone, people love that show, you know, I mean, and so, and I also think that it would do really well there. Definitely. So is playing the Bard as fun as I would expect it to be? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, and 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 that's just, that's a testament to Wayne and Carrie Kirkpatrick who wrote it and and um, 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 Casey Nicolau who directed it. You know I mean? Like they created this hilarious, farcical show and and created this character of Shakespeare in the way that he's portrayed and um and so you know it was just the most fun I I ever had you know getting to play him every night and play him with 
the people that I did, Rob McClure and Josh Grizzetti and Blake Hammond and you know um, all of all of these amazing actors. Um, it was just a, a dream come true, and I learned so much about comedy from those guys. Because you did perform Rent in London for a short while, I do believe as well. So therefore, were you tapping back into your British accent from then? Were you like, I can remember a few tips or was it was it quite difficult? How is your British accent? My, my, my British accent is very good. I, I um, It depends on, on, on which um, uh, which region you're, you're asking me to speak of. And so I can very easily switch between different regions and go, you know, uh, Sir William Shakespeare was a much more posh fellow. And so he spoke a little bit more sort of high class but um you know yeah but so and, and actually That's i had good. to play i forget casey i forget what um oh my god uh, uh, uh toby toby belch i'm trying to remember the accent but i had to do it more of a northern and uh and so i had to do a different like to because it's stratford upon avon isn't it so it, it's not it's yeah, certainly yeah. not london but yeah that's very good it's yeah very good Oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but it was so much fun. Yeah, I, I literally was about to say it just looked like so much fun. And of course, Marisha Wallace, who I know is part of that company as well, has obviously yeah. is an absolute superstar here in the West End now from Dreamgirls, yeah, yeah. Actress and, and Hairspray. And she, she just talks about it all the time. Like if you if you talk to Marisha about theatre, she's like, yeah, but something rotten was this show. And it's like, you're keeping the buzz alive, you know, keeping the flame you alive. Know, you know what? It's, 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 it really is the kind of show that, anyone who does it falls in love with it. You know what I mean? It's like, we didn't want it to end. You know, like we did the tour for a year and a half. I would have done it for another year. Like we just didn't want it to end. We just were having, we had the best time every night. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'd love to talk to you as well, just very briefly, about working with Elton John, who, of course, is a music genius, is probably yes, one of the, the crown princes of the music world internationally, particularly here in the UK. And... Just Aida, the show itself, again, is, is a show that we've never really had the full scale production of. I know that they've done it with sort of slightly off West End venues and stuff, and it gets the most remarkable responses and, and people's people do absolutely fall in love with it. And I know that it's yes. a big part of, of your life. And I was watching an interview that I think it was like broadway.com or Broadway World or somebody where you just said that as a creative piece, you felt like you could really dig into that and to get the opportunity to create as an artist with somebody like Elton John felt rare, but very special. It was indeed that, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, it was, an, it, it was a really interesting contrast going from Rent and, and, and the process of making an off-Broadway, uh, process of making a, a musical, but off-Broadway with no money and, you know, no, no budget and no, you know, like we all wore our own clothes and it was just very sort of like, you know, small insular group of people to then right after that going and doing, making another new musical, but with Elton and Disney and millions and millions of dollars and all this stuff. It was, and in each one of those was ex extremely rewarding in and of itself, you know, for, for separate reasons. Um, but, uh, but yeah, making that show was an incredible experience. It was at times very frustrating um, because of the sort of the, at the time, the lack of, um, the lack of respect that Disney received from the Broadway community at the time, and, and even Elton, the lack of respect that Elton received from the Broadway community at the time. And so, um, and I've been talking about this a lot, so 
I, and I keep bringing it up because I want to remind people. So I've been, I've been saying this a lot. So I remind people about Aida in relation to what I was just talking about and this absurd snobbery on Broadway, which doesn't quite exist so much anymore towards Disney or Elton for that matter. But the show was not nominated for best musical. The show was uh, nominated for four other Tonys and it won those other Tonys, including actress and best score. In some crazy fucked up universe in the year 2000 or 2001, wherever we w opened, the, the, the nominating community of Broadway didn't deem the show that one best music and actress and costumes and whatever the hell else it won, they somehow didn't deem it worthy enough to nominate for best musical. So I remind people of that. And I also remind people of the stupid ass show called Contact that did win best musical, which is not a musical because it has no live music, no live singers, no original score and no book. So on what planet is that a musical? If that's a musical, everything's a musical. So that was a really fucked up year. Uh, and so I am petitioning <laughs> for an apology for everyone who was a Tony nominator that year, that they need to apologize to Disney and Elton John. Say, I'm sorry, I'm an idiot and I fucked up. <laughs> I also, <laughs> how, how, how could you witness a piece of theater? Firstly, that has that creative team behind it, like number one, like you must literally be stupid. But then also to have a leading lady like Miss Headley, like right. come on, like like I don't care. Even if she, even if the show was shit, she's amazing. Like come on, like that's just ridiculous, right. like absurd. Yeah, it is. It is absurd. The whole the whole thing is was was a farce, um, and I hope that they're embarrassed. Those people who were nominating that year, they should be. Definitely. I saw on a um, on a YouTube clip the one of uh, Heather singing the close of Act One. I think it was a comment that someone put that you said in an interview. I used to just literally just watch her. Belting oh, yeah. away every night was that just yeah. a mass was that literally like having a front row to a masterclass every night yes absolutely and i've done that in other shows since for different reasons the other show i did it in was um was a uh, disaster um and i got a comedy masterclass every night watching you know roger bart kevin chamberlain faith prince um you know jen samar max crumb and, and and carrie butler and i you know to like to watch all of these amazing comedic actors so when I wasn't on stage with them, I was in the wings watching every night. I was never in my dressing room. Do you enjoy being a teacher to your colleagues when you get the opportunity to witness, I can imagine we talked specifically about Heather, somebody that I think in you know, 20, 30 years time will look back and say she was an icon of that era. I mean, I think that now as do a lot of other people sure. look back and go, yeah. how lucky were those people that they got to see her on stage? Are you a sort of a yeah. student of that? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm extremely honored and proud of my peers, of my community, the people that I have been making theater with for the past 25 years. You know what I mean? I'm extremely proud of, you know, the work that, that we've all done and, you know, not just Heather, but, you know, Norbert Leo Butts, my buddy, you know what I mean? And, and like, you know, um, Norm Lewis and like, you know, like I have a lot of friends, you know, that we've been all been doing this for so many years. And, 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 and I, and, and I just love that we're all still doing it and we're all still friends. And I'm so proud of all of us that we're still here doing it, you know. How are you when you become the teacher and they become the student? Do you like that? I don't know if that's ever happened. <laughs> it's certainly at least if it has been, it's been imperceptible to me. One venue that I know that you know quite well is the Royal Albert Hall here in the United Kingdom. I mean, yeah. literally, we're going through these shows, like literally iconic show and role after another. Then you start adding these signature venues. Does that when the pinch me moment comes? Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, honestly, if I, if I had a top three greatest moments of my career, 
it might even be number one, was playing We Are the Champions with Brian May with an orchestra behind us at sold out Royal Albert Hall. It was like literally a, a dream come true. I, 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 who didn't want to be Freddie Mercury? Who didn't want to be the singer of Queen? Who didn't want to be standing next to Brian May singing that song? And it happened. And so like, I could, I could die now. <laughs> I guess that's when, you know, at the start we were talking about looking back, that's when you do get to, I guess, go through the different chapters and go, holy shit, this has actually been, a, you know, I've actually had a yes. really good time. And I guess that's when, when you put the moments together that for you as an individual, taking away you as an artist and you as a performer, that's when it must be actually quite, quite emotional. Yeah, it is. And I'm, I'm extremely grateful. And again, I, it's, I have to do that because like I said, it's, it's hard to separate that from the struggles of of a of a life in this business. So it's it is it is good to take stock and look back and go, oh, okay, there's been lots of great things and you know, um I'm glad like I said before, and I'm glad I didn't give up give up and and I, you know, and I can keep going, you know, and and hopefully there's twenty-five more years, you know. Have you sat down and watched your live stream back to back? Have you watched the entire thing? Just you and you and yourself, I guess. No, 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 no. I, I don't, I, I, that's, I don't like to do that. I just, I'll get, I'll get little tastes of each song. I, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. I have watched every single moment. I just haven't watched it consecutively, but I have watched every song, you know, from top to bottom and, and all of the, you know, the storytelling stuff. I just haven't watched it all as as one but i'm i'm out i'm actively out there doing it every night not every night but like a, i've been doing it a lot live here in new york um as a matter of fact i have one coming up on saturday so so it's very active in my mind you know the reason why i ask was because my last question was going to be around when you see everything together and when you see all the things that you've done and some of the things that will be very small things that mean an enormous amount to you that will think oh, I'm, i don't understand why that means such a huge thing to him but actually yeah. it has the personal connection i wondered if when you see it as a collective and the stories told by you about your career, you ever think back to what the person who Adina got to audition for Rent all those years back, what perhaps he might think of the success that you've had? Well, it's not, it's not that that it makes me think of that stuff that you just mentioned. It's really like what you and I are doing right now and talking about it and talking about my past and my history and the things that I've done. And because I have this show coming out now, I've been doing this a lot over the past few days, you know, um, and talking about all that stuff. So it's really that that's making me revisit it all and and <clears throat> look at it and get this sort of, you know, really um, grateful perspective on it. Lindsay Haley is an absolute West End superstar. And 30 years after she played the narrator this summer, right now, people can go see her playing that exact part 30 years on. And she is extraordinary. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, is there that's one great. particular part that you would love to give another go? Yeah, you know what? I would love to play Billy Flynn again in Chicago. That was a lot of that was a lot of fun, and uh, I only did it for a short amount of time. I would definitely do that again in a heartbeat. I would certainly play Shakespeare again, you know, if that happened. Um, um, Good answer. But yeah, I, I think probably those two. Oh, and also, I I would love to do Disaster again because I had so much fun doing it, and it was so short lived. But I would only want to do it with that same group of people. So <laughs> amazing, amazing. Well, people can watch your live show and go through and hear from you rather than hear via me can hear from you yeah. all of these amazing stories and also get to hear that incredible incredible voice of yours so thank you thank so much you. for giving me some of your time today it's genuinely such oh, an honor oh please it's my pleasure thank you best of luck with everything that's coming up and the world of theater and music is coming back which above all else is the most exciting thing so best of luck with everything and thank you so much for your time all right thank buddy you. take care You've been listening to Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Find out more about Eleven at elevenpodcast.com or via the Broadway Podcast Network. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.